Do you know what time it is? It's that time again with Cindy Gern, who has the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. Hi, everybody. Uh, today I have Valerie Perowitz, who is a longtime uh, a member of the technology community and uh, somebody I, who I've valued for many years as an expert in her field uh, and uh, who is a founder, was the founder of the Women in Technology Group. Welcome, Valerie. Good morning, Cindy. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. Uh, it's been a lot of years uh, since you started the Women in Technology uh, group. How long has it been? Um, we started in 1994, believe it or not. Um, Ninety guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that's the uh, age. And uh, and and since then, what have you been doing? Um, well, I actually, um, I sold one of my companies, Reliable Integration Services, and then I um, actually went to work for the buyer, which was a public company, um, to get some experience there. Um, they also are a technology company. And so um, I spent four years there learning lots of things I wanted to know and lots of things I didn't want to know. So. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. And, and now I'm actually working um, with different companies, helping them, um, you know, learn how to measure breakthrough growth. Um, and what that means is a lot of people have their strategic plans, but they they, they don't really look at them, and they don't know how to translate them into tactical plans. So I help them do that, and then in the process, um, we develop metrics for every part of the organization that are relevant for the growth of the company. And then we, uh, we watch it happen and uh, make some changes when things don't seem to be the right measurements. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, the only thing I think I'm, you know, a little, a little bit uh, upset, if you will, about is the fact that I'm not always there to see the strategy put into place, people actually winning and, and the excitement that comes with that throughout the organization. So I, I do miss those, those days, but... Um, I'm very glad to see companies that take advantage of, you know, learning how to measure their growth and then, you know, keep on growing in the right direction. So, in essence, you've become a consultant, right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> consultant. I remember uh, talking to you years ago, uh, 1994, who would have guessed? Uh, if I recall, you went to Drexel University, right? I went to Northeastern. Northeastern, all right. Okay. Uh, did you have an internship uh, when you were in school? Was that uh, I, how you got started? 
Yeah, I actually it was um, that was part of the requirement was that you did co-ops is what they were called. Oh, co-op. Well, that's time. why I thought of Drexel because Drexel is known for its co-ops. During okay, I right? Think. Yeah, Northeastern I think one is number one in what's called experiential education, which is um, where you go to classes and then you go out and apply that knowledge out into the in the field and. It was quite an experience. I, I was fortunate to work for four different companies, and I, the one thing I can say is if you have the opportunity to do that, you should do it because I learned what I didn't want to do <laughs> more well, than what, what I did want to do. <laughs> okay, repeat that. It's important for individuals who are looking at their career to work in a company where they can learn what they don't want to do. Is that it? <laughs> you well, yeah. I mean, um, you know, so I worked for an architectural and engineering firm, um, and that's more of the, you know, drawings and making uh, cities and putting in their communications infrastructure. And while that was interesting and all, it wasn't something I wanted to do the rest of my life. And so from that perspective, that's what I learned on co-ops. Um, and that's, that's why I say if you have the advantage to take them, you will, I mean, if you like them, you can go back to the same company, but it would really behoove somebody to take advantage of going to different companies just so you can see how they work and if you like the culture. I think culture is a big thing that is getting more more acknowledgement in today's market than it has in the past, which I'm mm-hmm. very happy yeah. to see. Yeah, uh, this is true not just for people who are in co-op programs, but who are interning too, right? And absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I, I know you and I have talked about this over the years about you know how how important it is um, for an employer to you know, want to have some form of uh, experience behind the people that they're hiring. And so the co-op students and the internship students tend to have a a higher ratio of getting a job fast versus Mm -hmm. those who don't have it. And so I think, you know, it goes back to some of the things that you've been doing in in your life and dealing with careers and and the like. Um, so I haven't dealt with my career very well, but that's okay. No, that's <laughs> not true. Don't tell yourself <laughs> okay. short. Well, You've made a lot of okay. headway. Okay. Uh, well, th- uh, this is interesting because uh, the other day I, I attended a tech conference, and and the uh, idea was uh, across the board that you, the individual uh, student, whatever age they are considered a student, get as much experience as they can. So when they come into the to the job, the company doesn't have to train them in basic skills either. You know, it's. Uh, <laughs> That's a problem as well, isn't it, where people don't even have basic skills anymore? Uh, I think that's changing. I think I know with North, Northeastern, since I'm on the corporation, uh, one of the things that they changed was going to a core program. And I think a lot of the engineering schools are going to that where you 
you know, you get your fundamentals, you know, in English and, and math and uh, hopefully some, you know, some more English or public speaking type of uh, classes. Mm. So they're not as um, uh, dysfunctional, dis- dysfunctional when they come out and you need to spend a lot of time changing, trading them in the basics of how things work. Yeah, that is, uh, unfortunately, the reputation that sciences, uh, scientists and engineers have, that they are nonverbal, they're thinkers, and leave me alone, I wouldn't invent this. But, uh, you know, today it's you know, a lot more emphasis on the soft skills as well. So uh, on you, when you graduated, you started your own company? Was that when you started your own company? Um, no, I worked for a few years um for for uh, AT&T and I had worked for Sikorsky helicopter right after college and then I went to go work for AT&T and so I you know, I was doing that and we started reliable back in the late 80s early 90s and we were uh you know, were a little bit ahead of our time with our 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 managed services offering which is now prevalent all over the the uh, world where you, you know, whenever you want to go get office or you need something, you know, stored, everybody's going up into the cloud. And, mm-hmm. and that's been, uh, I think, the my husband and I were actually talking about that the other night about, you know, why were we so, so far uh, ahead of the field? And he's like, well, the whole concept of cloud needed to get invented. And I said, well, that's that's okay. I can understand that. So, um, but yeah. sometimes you're right. The engineers tend to, you know, think think great things, and it's a you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's the marketing and the business people who need to really set them straight about what the what the market will bear. And sometimes, you know, you. You get out in front of something, and it's not bad because you become the thought leader in it, but sometimes it's harder for smaller companies to maintain that foothold for a long period of time once large behemoth companies get involved. You know, um, I, I I attended a, uh, a workshop, a training program several years ago. Uh, uh, he, the man who taught it is the president of Fifth Group, uh, Bob Wallace, and he had a, a screen. I'll never forget uh, one of his PowerPoint screens was the trajectory of a of an idea and of a successful idea. And oftentimes, you know, you, you have the the idea. Of, coming out of you, you have a great idea, it's brilliant, and it's, uh, you, you go along and you can't get any backers or you can't get any support for it. And he said that in, at the time, you have to consider the intersection of a great idea and the time <laughs> this great idea is monetized, monetized. Uh, and he said that's a gift. You know, it's, it's, it's the vortex, it's the circle where the great idea and the money come together. And so uh, you're, uh, you have a great idea, you're a, a thinker, you're a, a leader in the field. And uh, did you change that idea at all to something else? To, um, uh, no, we, you know, we 
we just kept doing what we were doing, and we, we were actually recognized for some of the uh, installations we did in at the state and city uh, government level. <clears throat> the federal oh, government okay. certainly wasn't ready for it. Uh, so you were in uh, the in, reliable uh, for uh, reliable what? what Integration reliable, services. Reliable for for several years uh, until until what year did you quit that or you sell that job? Sell that uh, company? I sold that company in two thousand and two, two thousand and three. So I had the company for roughly twenty years. So. So you can do the math on that. It's a long time. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's a long time. And uh, a lot of people sell their company and then go off on, uh, you know, they play bridge all the time or and they become world-class bridge players or they become sailors of the of the seas. Uh, so you have chosen to be a consultant or have you chosen other things? Are you sorry that you no longer have a job or you're working for somebody or you have your own company? Um, well, I, I own my own company again, so, I mean, that's, you know, that's what I miss. I, I really enjoy working with companies and creating organizations and, um, and trust uh, with those organizations. And, and from trust, it's really, you know, if you, if you say our employees are our number one asset and you have to walk that talk and you can't then turn around and say, yeah, you're very important, but we're not going to pay for your, you know, reimburse your education. That, that doesn't really show how... <laughs> friendly yeah, you are okay. to the employees. Yeah. Um, but, um, so I, you know, I do sometimes miss, you know, having a lot of people working for me, um, but, you know, I miss having an assistant on a lot of days. The assistant is a very important role as well. It is, but, you know, my office looks the same. It's still, you know, don't touch my piles because I know where everything is. <laughs> okay, and that's, uh, that's a given. I won't touch your files. Um, so can we go back to the origin of women in technology, which is, which is your baby. I mean, it was your idea, and, and you founded it. So what, what happened? What started that all in, in putting it into motion? Well, I I had looked around at my peers, um, other women that were in technology companies, and they were having trouble keeping up with the changes in technology. I mean, technology was changing. It's just it changes very quickly. And so they also didn't have the opportunity to find a venue where they could effectively go networking. So it was important through women in technology to kind of meld those two uh, together, provide a forum for women to get educated on the technology uh, that's up and coming and then to be able to network. And, you know, we had shared interest groups for women business owners and those in business development 
And it's really grown a lot. Um, I think there's over 2,000 members right now. Um, But they've actually, you know, branched out into things like, you know, supporting STEM and having uh, a leadership foundry. It's called the Foundry Leadership that actually helps women get on boards. And so the whole uh, evolution of WIT has changed very dramatically from where it was uh, before, but I had always seen that, you know, the organization would, you know, would do things like grow into mentorship programs, and so we had started some of those as, you know, little projects while I still uh, ran Women in Technology, and those have those blossomed over the years into, um, in the case of the board development, is a separate 501c3 organization. So, well, was it, what was it when you had founded it? It wasn't a 501c3. Um, no, they're all 501c3s, which means they're they're non-lobbying organizations. Mm-hmm. But it's it was really meant because there was a uh, a vast chasm, if you will, of you know, what was available to women at the time. And, you know, when we talk about, you talked about timing a few minutes ago with that gentleman's slide, and, you know, timing's everything, I think. I think if you have a great idea and the timing's wrong, nothing's mm-hmm. going to happen. But with with women in technology, you know, I think we had reservations for 45 people and 145 showed up. So mm-hmm. we were very surprised. I remember we that. I surprised, remember, yeah. <clears throat> but you know, it was uh, it, it it then proved that night that it was a an organization that really its time was was now, and so that's how women in technology got started. Do you ever look back? I mean, I I, I don't know. What, are you are you aren't. So active, are you in Women in Technology? I never hear your name, and I don't see you there. Are Are you active? Are you involved? Um, peripherally, I'm active. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Do you I, ever have? Go I I was working with um, the past, most recent past president, and we were um, talking about uh, the whole concept of building bridges and and you know looking forward and and taking advantage of people like yourself and myself that have been in the field for a long time and our experiences and our knowledge and then you know also transfer that down into the STEM programs and having girls get more involved and interested in you know the technology field, and and mm-hmm. so I, that's that. So they are doing some things in that, aren't they now? Aren't... Yeah, and and one of the things that I was pleased that they had taken a recommendation of mine, which was for them to not do and be everything to everybody, but to find other organizations and to partner with them. Um, so I, I know they're working with one uh, organization. I think I'm pretty sure the name is Girls in STEM mm-hmm. or, or Girls in Technology. And, I mean, that's that makes sense because that way, you know, WIT can, 
keep focus on educating women out in the business world, but still, you know, be effective as trying to, you know, keep in touch with the, you know, the prior members, if you will, and what value they can derive from the organization. And then to the girls in, in STEM who are going to be the next generation coming into the fold. Yeah, uh, you raised an interesting point. Uh, it is a workplace of, uh, we can we can say, uh, K through gray. Uh, <laughs> you have, uh, you're, you're educating, you want to bring in the, the younger people. It's, it's, no, the new generation coming in is supposedly Generation Z. <laughs> So, so Generation Z, uh, up to the people who are uh, in my age who are retired or who want to retire or want to work or who don't want to work. Uh, and so you, you have set your boundaries, right? Your, your wit has set its boundaries on those people who are in the workforce now, right? Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Primarily, yes. Yeah, and they're reaching out to bring people, you know, educating people in STEM. Uh, I I see as I travel in this area that there are a lot of programs on STEM for women uh, and girls, and uh, I think it's growing in uh, great popularity. Uh, the uh, I you know I can think of half a dozen of them. And, and by the way, uh, on uh, November 2nd, I think it is, in Maryland. Uh, Maryland has a STEM conference uh, for um, uh, blue-collar STEM. So it's, uh, their interest is in people not having a degree and still doing STEM work. So it's, it's a, becoming a, a major conversational piece that uh, you know, people have and need to get STEM in there. So tell me. Well, uh, that could also be, uh, if you don't mind, uh, I think that also is, you know, for folks that, you know, maybe not <clears throat> have had a degree but have still worked and have work experience, it's learning another skill. I mean, you called it, um, what did you call it? STEM, STEM skills. No, what? K through gray. <laughs> oh, okay, through gray. <laughs> But I, you know, I like to think of it as lifelong learning. And, okay, well, you know, it, either way, it's, either it's way, the same yeah. thing. <laughs> like, yeah. you, you, I have to remember yours. But, I, you know, I think, uh, and I really applaud people uh, who are continuing to go learn something, even after they've finished, uh, maybe the blue-collar workers have finished the career that they're in and, you know, they they don't want to go play golf seven days a week or play mahjong or whatever <laughs> else they, they are, there is to do. Yeah. Um, but, you yeah. know, they, they get, go out and get, you know, another skill set and, and go back to work. I think that's great. Yeah, I just saw uh, a, a meeting that um, they, they're hacking. They train people uh, on the, the, on hacking and how to detect what people other people are doing to your system. And they said that people who are 50 and older who majored in philosophy uh, can come in and, and get some basic skills and an organization can use those skills to uh, in a specific role and... Uh, and in, in, I think that's great. I mean, there's hope. 
<laughs> there's hope that uh, there's hope still. Yes, I agree with that you. I can, that I can learn something sometime. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> something we're all relatively important, if you will. I don't know. It's, uh, I think my brain still. has reached its maximum limits as well. Um, so, what? Uh, tell me. Uh, this is uh, an honest question, and you don't have to answer it. But uh, in your long uh, and illustrious career from uh, your own company to founding a, a very major player in uh, associations. What have you had any failures? Have you had anything you're sorry about doing or have been? Um, yeah, you know, I thought about that and I believe that the one thing that still still sits with me is after my company was re- acquired by the public company, um, we had we had actually had about five companies that were all trying to get integrated together, and they all had different cultures. And I tried really hard to you know, get the executives, the C-level executives, to understand how important it was to, you know, walk the talk and create a culture, and it wasn't something they really were interested in. And, you know, I look back on that, and I try to figure what I could have done differently, and I just believe that it was the way those people's minds were, you know, set up, this is something that they thought would just like happen on its own and it mm. it it really doesn't you have to you have to draw the you know the line of you know in your mission statement if you do say your employees are your number one asset you you have to you know you have to walk around believing that and talk about that and that's where i i wish i could have done something different but I tried a lot of things, bringing outside consultants and the like, and it just it just was not something that they they wanted to do or were interested in doing. And I that's the that one thing I'm sorry for. True. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, for many organizations, it's uh, the profit and it's uh, how you run a company and efficiency, and and they don't think about people. Uh, though collaboration, the art of collaborating, which is what you're talking about and getting along, uh, uh, is a topic of conversation in HR circles and in uh, industry today. And so there are lots of programs now being uh, introduced about uh, on how to collaborate. You can have the best technology in the world, but if you're not collaborating, you know, so be it, right? Right, and the interesting things are is the colleges have actually taken a a step ahead to try and um, <clears throat> I'm sorry about that. Uh, um, they really are trying to get ahead of that and creating entrepreneur centers where they bring together the business students and the technology students and they they learn how to collaborate and the value of each other's roles within a company and it's it, i think it's difficult to 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 learn to be an entrepreneur i think you can learn the mechanics of it 
but I don't think you can learn uh, through education how to take risks. And, and that, to me, is, is the number one trait for every entrepreneur I've known, especially you, yeah. who's <laughs> taken the risks over the years that, you know, a lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't just not take. Um, and you, people like yourself saw the need to, to go out and, and, you know, forge ahead with things and virtual job fairs, et cetera. Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I was a little bit too soon, too, too, little early too soon, <laughs> but you know, it's, yeah. it's a thing now and you were able to persevere and, and move forward. So, so yeah, but that's it a is risk. And it is willingness to take risk. Um, and those people who, who don't, uh, that's fine. They, they have to accept who they are and what they are uh, and uh, to get on uh, with it. Um, I have a lot of other questions, and I could continue talking to you forever and ever, but uh, we are out of time. And uh, I wanted to thank you very much, Valerie, for, uh, for being interviewed, uh, being a guest on our show and I hope you will uh, consider being our guest again. We're planning some some activities in the coming year, and I'll let you know about them. And uh, and I hope you'll be willing and have some time to participate. Um, is there anything final that you would like to say before we end this conversation? Yeah, I, I really appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity to t- to talk about this and. You know, I I applaud you in in starting this new technology segment, and I'd be I'd be honored to you know be a supporting role or to be interviewed again, whatever role you see fit, because I think it's very important that we as America put technology first, because to me that's going to be the future of our country and our country being successful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, you have you saw it back in the days in the 80s and uh, beyond. Uh, and so if nothing else, Technology is a part of all that we are. It's not it uh, necessarily, but it's an important part, and uh, we're all we're all rowing in the same direction. I think. So thank you, and have a great day. And I look forward to talking to you again shortly. Thank you, thank you, Cindy. Okay. I appreciate it. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Workforce Show. This interview and others can be found at WERA.FM or at CareerCentralOnline.com. Thank you for listening. Until the next time.